Welcome to Monsters Conquer the World. I'm Matt. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Ralph. Uh, hello. And this is a podcast where Ralph and I y- yak about monster stuff, uh, especially kaiju flicks. Uh, I'm a lifelong dyed in the wool super fan, while Ralph brings a fresh, incisive perspective to the creature feature chaos. Uh, we've got a special guest with us uh, this time, Zach Bergman. Yes, again, a uh, very, very much more informed person than me. <laughs> um, and uh, we and me, because he's he's uh, in certain ways. Yeah, in certain ways, uh, he's very. Um, he's sort of like my go-to anime scholar. Yeah, like all all things anime. Like every time I talk to him. I get like 10 great recommendations that I know I should watch that I don't have time to watch. You know, so I'll like pick a pick one yeah. sort of thing and and uh just try to make my way through it, but he just devours the stuff and he's uh very knowledgeable about uh Hideaki uh Anno and I hope I said it right. But um, I think you did because my terrible Michigan voice always wants to call him Anno. Anno. But I think it is yeah, but he's um, uh, a lot of connections to uh, Ava and this and a lot of anime talk. So if you're not, um, I mean, I would hope you'd be like interested anyway, because I think anime for me um, became an important medium uh, in uh, a more important medium in my life, because I think it's just visually astonishing and and uh the stories are, you can do things in anime that you can't do anywhere else. Well, and I think one thing I try to keep in mind about anime is that it's a medium, not a genre. Right. And so if you think about anime and you think, well, I don't like Pokemon or Dragon Ball Z. It's like, well, you're in luck because there's sports anime. There's slice of life anime. Yeah. There's romance anime. Like there's really like it's it's such a it reminds me of something like comic books where which I've just started to dip a toe into. It's such a broad universe of stories that it's kind of overwhelming, but like there's there's like a ninety nine percent chance there's something in there you're gonna you, like. Well, yeah, you just pick a point and and start like, find something that looks good and whatever. go nuts. Yeah, because yeah. there's really no right way to do it. Yeah. And and it's I, like asking someone like what's a good comedy what's or like right, rather yes. like what's a good live action movie right exactly like, what what's a good sculpture yeah. uh <laughs> so um, and and I think anime is super important to talk about because this time we are talking about 2016's Shin Godzilla yes which uh, uh, has deep roots in anime right and he's here for that in in the history of Anno and and. Uh, his work and how it ties into Shin because it's all over Shin. Yes. But uh, Matt, unfortunately, could not make it to the interview portion. Right. So I wanted to grab Matt's thoughts Ooh. up front uh, and in the back as well. Oh, yeah. Back <laughs> to front, baby. All right. But yeah, a um, little bit uh, at the beginning of the episode and a little bit at the end and uh, interview in between. Love it. Might be a long one. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, uh, Zach, Zach knows this shit. Yeah. He's got he, a lot to say. When he starts uh, talking, he goes. Hell and, yeah. And uh, a lot of stuff con- connecting to a lot of other stuff, so. That's called content, baby. Yep, I was just trying to keep up with him. But um, <laughs> I heard a little bit, and yeah, I'm in the same yeah. boat. I'm like, oh boy. 
The one thing that was really missing from the interview, though, is definitely just your thoughts and impressions of like Aww. things like effects and the movie itself, uh, divorced from the whole uh, Anno thing. Yeah, because uh, Anno's body of work, like this Shin Godzilla, is by far the thing I know the most. Like I, I, I know that he uh, created Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I know that's like a hugely influential piece of not just anime but also giant monster fiction so like Mm -hmm. it's it's this big blind spot for me that i've been meaning to correct since it's on netflix now and just it's just it's one of those big commitments that i haven't committed to yet you know it's not that big when you really well no there's 26 episodes and they're about 23 minutes a piece okay so So i could knock this out in like a weekend oops yeah you probably but uh i mean I'm only two episodes in, but I think it's riveting personally. It's, I will say this, it's fucking beautiful. It's gorgeous. I, uh, a while back, I, I don't know how I ended up here, but I, I randomly watched a battle sequence, I think from towards the end of the show. Yeah. Astonishing. Yeah. It's fucking wild looking. Uh, in a good way. In like a very good way. The, the Ava designs are so alien and so unlike anything else i've seen yeah. in giant monster movies it's very like engrossing it's got it like an insect sort of aspect to it i always think of did you ever see aeon flux not the live action movie but the the weird I don't think uh, so. animated there was this so i watched a lot of mid 90s mtv because we had just gotten cable and <laughs> there were these strange animated shows i think probably because beavis and butthead was a big hit mm-hmm. there was this uh, anthology show called liquid television and one of the segments on that was Aeon Flux, which I'll, I'll show you it later. Right. It's horrifying looking. It's, it's this oversexed, like, futuristic spy thriller, but it's oversexed in a way that is not sexy. It's, like, gross. Oh. And it's fascinating. I, I would check that out. It's, it, and again, I think if you see it, you'll see what I'm talking about, how it, the humans yeah. look like Avas in that. It's terrifying. Uh, yeah, we should. Well, and Zach gave us a suggestion as well for a, a big monster anime that he actually he thought he might like to come back for. So, oh uh, hell yeah! Well, when you uh, finally hear the interview, um, um yeah, we'll we'll circle back to that. Yes. I love that idea. Yes. So uh, in the meantime, though, we should just grab your thoughts. Yeah. Well, uh, before we dip into that, uh, b- and uh, before we wobble down the street and shoot blood out of our necks, let's give a quick thanks to our strong and wise patrons. You are the wind beneath our wings. So yeah, uh, it's probably not a surprise to anyone listening to this that uh, Shin Godzilla was a big deal. It was a big fucking hit with critics and audiences. Uh, it's a divisive movie, I would say, especially among hardcore Godzilla fans. But yeah, even from the little bit that I've seen, it's very different. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Compare Shin yeah. Godzilla to something like Godzilla vs. Gigan. Right. A little different. Yeah. I in, in the interview, I like mess up the name of all the Godzilla movies that we've seen. <laughs> I just like real amateurish <laughs> stuff. But yeah. It, well, it doesn't, I mentioned... help, it doesn't help that each movie has like four different names. Right, and it's Godzilla versus this guy that I don't understand the name of, and you know, but um, yeah, it, that's really not a huge deal um in the grand scheme, but uh, yeah, this one scares me. Yeah, you know, some of the other Godzilla movies don't scare me. 
pl- plenty of the other Godzilla movies aren't particularly yeah. scary, but uh, it was it was a blast rewatching this the other night uh, because it's just like sitting sitting there watching it. It's scary. It's intense, but like you're still pulled into the human drama, and it's just this is a. I love all of the Godzilla movies, right? Like they're all my children. I love them all very right. dearly, yeah. but this is in a pretty exclusive category where it goes beyond being a Godzilla movie and is a capital F film. Yeah. And off the top of my dome, the only other Godzilla movie I'd put in that category is the original, the 54 original. And I don't think I'm alone in thinking this movie is like red hot shit because the, the Japanese Academy Awards, it like swept. It took picture of the year director of the year, Best cinematography, best art direction, and a bunch of technical awards. Yeah, it's it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. Everything about it. Uh, I personally don't understand the person that's so into Godzilla they can't set aside something and just enjoy the film. But also, right. like, I mean, I'm I'm an outsider, so right. So you kind yeah. of have that that. Uh, I haven't been watching these for 30 years. You, yeah, yeah, you don't have that baggage. Yeah, exactly. As someone who does have that baggage, uh, the ad campaign for this movie was nuts because they just they exclusively showed the, the final stage, the, the big, charred, black, upright yeah. Godzilla, and he's fucking crazy looking and scary looking, and his silhouette is essentially the same as previous Godzilla's, but it's that texture man is in yeah. to- the face is totally different and scary. And I just remember seeing the trailers for this and thinking, Oh shit. Like they're going full horror with this one. This is a horror movie. Yeah. And it's funny because that was the same reaction I had to the 2014 trailers because the 2014 <laughs> trailers were very bleak too. Yeah. And in, in both cases, no, it's not like a full on horror movie. It's not, but it is scary. Hell yeah. yeah. Oh no, definitely. But it's also, it's, it's weird when I, when I think back on Shin Godzilla and my, my brain remembers it as like a more bleak and dire movie. And I think I'm, I think I'm blending it together with the 54 Godzilla, because that mm. one is bleak as shit. Yeah. And there's, in comparison, Shin Godzilla is pretty upbeat. There's a lot of humor. Um, there's, there's a lot of like wonderful, dry humor. Br- brisk pace a yeah. lot of the time. It's snappy. Yeah, snappy. And it's, it's all these fast-talking politicians right. putting aside their bullshit and working together. And that's like well, a really cool thing to see. We go quite a bit into like wh- how much bullshit is involved too, though. Um, with this one, um, particularly like bureaucracy comes up a lot in the, in the interview we're doing well, because it, it, it's, that's a main theme. It's well, it's, it's, it's interesting because the movie was sort of created in response to the three eleven disaster. Yep. And uh, Japan's mishandling of it because of the bureaucracy. Yeah. So it's interesting. And it's. When when you think of that, it's like, well, then an American audience couldn't really relate to this at all. And I don't think that's true because we had Hurricane Katrina. We'll. I remember how that went. Yeah, Every country has disasters. Uh, I think it's more relatable than you might think at first. I I think for uh, Japan, particularly it ending up in an in more nuclear fallout is just sort of like what really makes it relevant to Godzilla. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, 
like and and also just like man again right you know that well, sort of thing they even they even there's a couple lines like that even in the movie where yeah. they're like fuck why is it coming back to tokyo it's, this shit again these no. <laughs> they're all terror it's it's so great it's so it's it's such a cool movie because it really feels like somebody sat down and said okay what would what would it actually look like if a godzilla showed up yeah and in some movies have some of the movies have come close to that again 54 is plays it pretty straight yeah but the fact that this one spends so much time in conference rooms and board meetings and meeting rooms feels very real. Yeah, it it uh, yeah, some other Godzilla movies uh a little little more fantastical. There yeah, there might be more gallivanting amongst the humans. Yes. And they've sort of well, I guess partially because they've accepted the existence of the monsters. Right. By by most of those movies. Yeah, this this takes place in a world where this is the only encounter right they had not seen this thing before so um i think uh i don't know there's there's just a lot of good to be said about this in in my opinion not really any bad it's it's such a different movie and they just fucking nailed it um Mm -hmm. (laughs) speaking of having never seen the creature before uh, as a lifelong Godzilla fan, you can probably imagine I was pretty fucking <laughs> shocked by the first form of the creature. Uh, what did you think of that thing, Ralph? I, well, the, just it's shooting blood everywhere. That's, you know, it's, it's got just the, spurts. Yep. Out of its neck for no clear reason. It, well, yeah, just like breathing. Yeah. And like, I understand it's a cooling thing, you know? We find that out later, but oh. in the you know in the moment, we don't know why it's it's so alien. I I kind of assumed it was a cooling thing oh, because well check out the big brain on no Ralph. no no because no, we've already established in other movies that Godzilla's like a reactor sort right you know so I kind of just assumed like he, oh he's a reactor in yeah too yeah uh, so I yeah that tracks no that all makes sense plus somehow it's still I, weird though yeah it's so fucking weird. I don't know how I sort of gleaned within the first 15 minutes or whatever this movie that like, okay, this is everything in this is going to be perfectly practical. Like everything's going to have an explanation. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Nothing, uh, nothing happens or is a certain way for no reason at all. It's a pretty, it's a tight script. Like it all locks together nicely. I think if, if there's anything that kind of loses me or, or, I'm just like shrugging my shoulders at it is towards the end when they've got uh Goromaki's notes and they're just kind of like, Oh, fold it. You got to fold it. Oh, and they, and they, it's this big like molecular diagram or whatever. And they're like, wow. Oh yeah, fold it up. And I'm like, okay, I guess just, I guess just fold it up like that. That yeah. if, if there's any, if there's any part of the movie where I'm like, what, uh, a little what are you talking about, guys? Yeah, yeah that I, I that part kind of loses me, and that might be something that just culturally doesn't translate right. or something. Yeah, but it's just like I, I guess we're reminded me of Contact. Remember Contact when the the aliens send the blueprints, <laughs> and it turns out they're three dimensional blueprints, and right. they gotta they gotta put them into a cube. I mean, if anyone's gonna figure it out, it is the uh, as Zach called it, the Autism Squad. Oh boy. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> it's that's like a term that goes around on the internet. Oh. It's not like he made it up. Okay. 
all right. But uh, yeah, the uh, you know. Well, yeah, sure. No, the and ragtag group of uh, yeah lone wolves and socially and nerds uh, awkward and, folks. and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a fun crew. It's and yeah, I I, I like that this. What saves the day in this movie is uh, a bunch of dorks working together. Yep. That's like, that's pretty magical to me. Um, yeah, man. Uh, what do you, what do you think of the look of this movie? Oh, I love the look. That, that wobble monster, that rubber chicken, dead eyed, yeah. rictus grin, blood shooting, fucking turkey creature. What'd you think of that thing? Yeah, that's, that's uh, my favorite. God's, it's so yeah. i actually i have a toy of him somewhere i fucking fell in love with that thing and i it's had so to, cool yeah it's it's amazing and it's did it give you the creeps mm-hmm. yeah. okay it's the it's it's the eyes and all that the big dead um, eyes that yeah I, I really get the impression that the eyes can't really see anything right because they're just looking wildly around yeah and, and yeah he's it's well, like it's, like babies can't con- can control where they look either. Right. You know? Yeah. It's it's this thing, and it, it's familiar enough where I'm like, okay, that's sort of a Godzilla. Yeah. But it's so strange and so alien, and almost hits like that uncanny valley zone of like, is this a living thing? Like, what the fuck am I looking at? Uh, one thing we have to we have to get from you before we get in is, what did you think of the laser Godzilla? Are you a fan of Laser Godzilla? I'm in fucking love with Laser Godzilla. Okay. It's Me too. The, it's the wildest shit I've ever seen yeah. in my life. I could not believe it. That was that was another thing that they pointedly did not put in the trailer and I'm so fucking happy about yeah. this cuz I saw this in the theater. It had a limited run in like October of 2016 and I am so fucking psyched that I got to see it in the theater. That was such a good movie ex- going experience because so the wobble monster, the, the fucking rubber chicken thing. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So no, the wobble okay. monster. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's got a fan nickname uh, and, and Zach might've mentioned, might mention this too. Uh, Kamada Kun. I don't know. And so Kamada is the like district in Tokyo that it, it wobbles down and Kun is, <laughs> is the Japanese honorific for like yeah. a boy yeah, or a, a young male employee. Young. Yeah. And so he's, he's Kamada Kun and he inspired all this, <laughs> all this fun fan art and shit. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, it was, I, it, she was like a dental tech or somebody in Japan. So she had her, she had her face mask on and, and the, the, the scrubs, uh-huh. but she also had this big elaborate earring of Kamada Kun hugging Whoa, her whole ear. Weird. It was dope. Um, but yeah, so Kamada Kun being a secret and, and laser light show being a secret. Yo dude, I was not ready for that. I yeah. lost my shit. It, it looks so, so beautiful too. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, there was this great. <laughs> There was, it was a hoax, of course, but there was this article that came out shortly after the movie where uh, Anno uh, t- said in an interview that the reason why he picked purple for the light show is because he's a huge Prince fan. Oh, yeah. And for a, for a hot <laughs> minute, I was like, that fucking rules. Who doesn't love Prince? And right. then I was a little bummed when it was revealed that it was a, a prank. Oh, well, why did he choose it? He just like... He- Thought it would look best at that moment. I th- I think it's 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 unexpected and it's yeah. shocking and it sets it apart from other Godzillas. It is, again. So yeah, when I was watching this again the other night, I got like fucking jazzed. Yeah. I was like, oh dude, he's gonna do it. <laughs> yep. It's 
it's it, it's interesting too because uh th- this one came out and i was sort of kind of able to <laughs> kind of sort of mm-hmm. uh able to uh track the development of the movie and there was a there was a period early on where so shinji higuchi did the special effects for this and he also did the special effects for the live action attack on titan movies which are super yeah. cool looking and those use those actually use a lot of practical stuff like a lot of a lot of big marionettes they use for that because That's the cool. monsters in that are very human but they have inhuman proportions, so you can't really do a man in a suit for those. Right, they couldn't pull it off for this one for whatever reason, right? That's right. They yeah. they actually had a big puppet Godzilla made, and it looked it looked badass to be totally honest. And then for at, at first it was like, well, we're gonna do as much practical as possible, and then a little later they're like, well, we're gonna do half practical, half CGI. And then right before the movie came out, they're like, we just did all CGI. We just said never mind. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. But it looks great. Like, yeah. it, it worked. And I I will always be cool with CGI when they do motion capture. Because to me, that is, that is, yeah. the, that is the 20, you know, that is the, the modern equivalent of suitmation, well, I think. Well, m- motion capture and they filmed buildings getting hit with something. Like, and it wasn't like they, they CGI'd the buildings bursting apart that was natural and also the motion itself was natural so that i think that's cool and it and it looks really you can kind of tell because it looks great there's a lot of sequences where godzilla kind of kicks at the ground or kamatakun kind of wobbles at the ground and just all this debris flies up and it's beautiful it's like little cars and bicycles and crates and things and it yeah i i I know some practical stuff survived and I think it was all things like that. Like when, uh, when he flops up on top of the apartment building and there's like uh-huh. the family inside scrambling to get out. God, it's a fucking good sequence. Not, yeah. That's it's very upsetting. Tough, tough scene. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, it's made tougher because the creature is so ridiculous uh-huh. and like comical, but the things he is causing are devastating but him him knocking that building over and all the furniture and shit sliding you know sliding around i think that's all practical too oh okay like it but it's it's miniatures it's like it's like independence day independence day they sold us as oh it's all cgi it's all cgi it's like (laughs) no dog i watched the special where they show them building the white house and filling it with tiny furniture right because when you do shit that way it looks better than cgi much much better and imagine trying to sell a movie now on like, oh, it's all CGI. And it's like, yeah, like, no, no, we know that looks like garbage now. Like, well, and I, I think CGI is, has come a long way. I think it's, it it's gotten to a, a, a much better point than it was. And I think, I think now we're better at matching practical, like putting practical and CGI together in a way that makes sense. Right. Which to me isn't an improvement in CGI as much as it is like we realize the limitations of it. Yeah. 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 I think that's. Although it has improved. Uh, absolutely own, there's so. there's some pure cgi stuff that looks i think looks incredible i for some re- this is a very dated reference but uh the the prawns in district nine like yeah are still kind of mind-blowing i think yeah those actually are um and those yeah those guys are i was CGI. impressed by those when and i saw that oh, maybe a year ago yeah yeah it holds it holds <clears> up it holds it up does. really good yeah yeah and and maybe uh, Zach might have touched on this too, but uh, so Shin Godzilla is kind of a weird title for a movie. 
Uh-huh. Uh, but Shin is actually a triple entendre in Japanese. It's, uh, it means new, true, and God. And so hmm. you can kind of put any of those in front of Godzilla for this movie, and it makes sense. Right. New Godzilla, true Godzilla. I guess God Godzilla is a little redundant. but Well, not God Gojira. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. But I, I thought that was cool. And then um, this is a very strange Godzilla. Like Godzilla himself is really weird in this. And I love that. But specifically, one thing I really dig is he has stages. Yeah. He has these di- very different phases where every time you see him, he's different. So you can't get too comfortable with him. And that's, to me, that is the, and this is something Guillermo del Toro talks about in his Pacific Rim commentary, and it applies to many older monster movies, but the audience wants to see the monster, right? Yeah. But if you show them too much of the monster, they'll either see that the special effects are funky, that it doesn't look that scary, yep. uh, or they'll get bored of it. Or they'll get used to it. Yep. All, all fucking poison for your monster movie. You don't uh-huh. want any of those things to happen. So what, uh, what Shin Godzilla does, of course, and we talked about Kamada-kun, his first stage is just a tail flopping around out of the, out of the ocean. <laughs> and then he's this, this horrible uh, rubber chicken monster. And then he turns into the real deal. But then the real deal even goes through changes. Laser light show. Tail laser. Mm-hmm. And then he's even in death. He has one last stage, the fucking creepiest stage, the, the little, tail. the humanoids in the tail, yeah. the stillborn peoplezillas. It's a fucking nightmare. And so I, I love this because it's very different for Godzilla, but it puts him in such good monster company. Mothra does it. Hedora does it. Destroya does it. You go outside of the Toho stuff. Fucking Dracula does it. <laughs> the Xenomorph does it. And, uh, and going back to giant monsters, Otachi and Pacific Rim does it. Mm-hmm. Some of the best monsters of all time. Of course, Godzilla deserves to be right alongside them. So, yeah. Fucking yeah. rules. Yeah. It's a great movie. And, um, yeah, I wanted to grab your thoughts now, and I'm glad that we did. Yeah. Um, Let's we'll, check in with we'll Zach. Get, we'll get some more. Yeah, we'll get some more thoughts uh, at the end, or at least we'll get some nice goodbyes. Yeah. End uh, credits, if you will. Ooh. Uh, the yeah, resolution. Just before we get into the interview, uh, Zach Bergman, as we have mentioned, uh, wonderful uh, amateur an- anime expert, if you can be all of those things. Totally. And uh, makes wonderful uh, music as Sour Gout. Um, he's a little Renaissance man. Hell yeah. Snappy dresser. Good Ooh. Looking. <laughs> so, hell yeah yeah now we're talking yeah i'm oh, hook me up <laughs> um but yeah well uh, here is the interview with zachary bergman this is um political and i think that's the the key to shingojira is that it's steeped in the idea of critiquing japanese the japanese government and their responses to um disaster that's kind of the entire purpose of the movie uh which is made really clear in how so much of the movie is the city being absolutely fucking destroyed while people move, people have to like stop their meeting so they can move the meeting down to the lower floor, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right. Which was like, to me, simultaneously the funniest and the scariest moment in the film. When you really think about it. Yeah. Because it's like... Yeah, it's real, right? Like, 
it's very real. It's how, and this is getting back to, it's how the Japanese government responded to Fukushima. Um, they just moved to a different spot. Oh, they, there was so much bureaucracy tied up in it that more and more people, they, they could have avoided many, many hundreds of deaths if they weren't so wrapped up in the bureaucracy of how to deploy military or how to deploy aid. Uh, because yeah. uh, a, a key point in Japanese politics is Article 9, uh, post-World War II. Article 9 was introduced by the American government uh, that stopped Japan from being able to mobilize a military. Um, right. To, to uh, keep them... So, like, we use our military to protect them, supposedly, right? Yeah. Um, which, and which is they, it's such a big deal that North Korea right now getting nukes and our president being like, oh, well, it's no big deal. It's like, yeah. no, it's a huge deal. Like, we have to protect them. Yeah. And uh, so Japan instigated the JSDF, the Japanese Self-Defense Force, which was... Uh, meant to only be deployed in times of disaster and as a defense mechanism if people attacked them, but could never be used at, in an offensive way. With the exception okay. of aiding in certain, um, like, political military action, which certain that gets... Ameri that's, American approved, basically? Yeah. And that element of the JSDF is actually something that's covered really beautifully in the um, 1991... 1990 anime film by Mamoru Oshii, the guy who did Ghost in the Shell, uh, called Pat Labor 2, which is part of the Pat Labor franchise. And that film is a great breakdown of this sort of false, corrupt peace that Japan lives in today. And See. it's really fascinating. It's one of my favorite films. But um, anyway, getting back to Shin Gojira, that it, this is why the military presence in the movie is very um, interesting because so much of the movie is like the military getting ready to shoot down the monster. And instead of your typical American scenario where the military just starts shooting at it and then they prove that it doesn't work, instead they're about to shoot at it and then it gets called off. Okay. Which was um, an, an, an interesting feature because they saw the kid, the, the old lady walking. But... Like, right. you know, in American action movies, no one would bat an eye. They would just shoot the fucking... And... Uh, yes. We've talked multiple times about the issues with the new Supermans because... Supermans. But because... Uh, because of exactly that. We just don't seem to care about life as much. Like No. And... But what was really interesting is also how that care ended up causing more destruction. So it's kind of like this weird middle True. ground, right? Like the, yeah. and what it all comes down to is that people aren't allowed to make decisions until they've had a meeting about it until yeah. they've, um, uh, covered all their bases and figured out every little detail about it. They're not allowed to make a decision, especially not one that involved military action. Um, That's Sort of, um, I, I get what, I don't know, that's sort of a, uh, like, staving off fascism thing, though. It's a feature, it's a feature of the system, mm -hmm. rather, you know, it, it's, it's, that's the whole thing. Like, they, I think they would prefer that, almost. Yeah. You know? I mean, not they, but, what you know what I mean. 
like yeah like the people it, who, it, who it, set up the government were like this is a better idea than you know like one guy being able to say what we all do at any time yeah exactly and I think uh, what the film is critiquing is how that bureaucracy has gotten so complicated that in the case of Fukushima, um, they were unable to respond uh, in time because they had to have meetings about it. And more and more people died. And that's kind of what the film is sort of almost less even just like um, critiquing, but almost making fun of. Like the movie is sort of poking fun at that kind of at at the bureaucracy of the Japanese government. Right. And it does a, a really good job, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. because it, I mean, there are, there are no ifs, ands, or buts about like the meaning of like that movie. Like, um, but yeah, they, they make it very clear, like what they're doing. I mean, I guess if you knew nothing about Fukushima, you might overlook, um, a lot of it. I think, I still think it'd be a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, do they have a, uh, any kind of a mechanism there? I can't remember if it was in the movie or not. Was there any kind of a mechanism where, like, in case of emergency, like, one guy can call the shots? Because supposedly that's what we have with a president. Yeah, and they had that. It, what was interesting is that technically they had that with the prime minister, but because of the way the system is run, the prime minister won't act on it. I see. So he, he, right. I remember. Which is why there's so many scenes where people are, have to constantly demand that he makes a decision. And right. Yeah. So you got like in, in that disaster, I remember watching it, uh, on TV and, and I was, I I had just had my son and I I don't even remember he was a baby, but I'm just like holding him because you wake up at all hours of the night and just watching this Watching a tsunami roll in, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and like, watching all these cars just get picked up like toys and and pushed away by a gigantic, unimaginable wave of water. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was my memory of Fukushima. And I just, like, I don't know. You, you kind of know when you're watching that sort of thing that, like, um, you're watching something that is just going to uh, affect people for decades. But the the phases of that, I think I caught it. Uh, well, the tsunami was the reason that the reactor began to melt down, right? I think it was the earthquake, actually. It was the earthquake right, that yeah. triggered there the tsunami. Was... So, so the earthquake yeah, so happened, the then, the, then the meltdown parts. happened, and then the tsunami happened, and it all kind of happened at once. Yeah. So earthquake, meltdown, then tsunami. So that was really like sort of the last phase. Mm-hmm. That all makes sense. Um, well, it was just colossal. Like, yeah. And there's no way you can't see how that the image of that tsunami isn't being mirrored in Shingojira. Mainly the scene when uh, Godzilla is in kind of its primal state, his primal, like his early lizard state um what like quadruped where he comes out of the water and it's like this terrifying wiggling horror crushing through the streets with water rushing everywhere from the canal there's something in that shot that was very reminiscent of the news reports i saw of fukushima this this idea of this giant 
body of destruction moving through a populated area and picking up cars like toys and doing the whole thing. Um, And the fact that he comes out of the water and there's just, there's all those elements to it. Um, What was another interesting thing is how the nuclear element of Shin Godzilla is very different from the nuclear element of the original Godzilla, the fifties one, because in the fifties one, it's referencing the bomb. It's referencing um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And in the newer one, because it's all based on radioactive waste being thrown into the water and all this kind of stuff, it's more in reference to the ill-prepared structure of the nuclear reactor that melted down. Right. And I, I was watching a lot of videos on these reactors and they all, um, not, not all, but like some of them had different cooling systems mm-hmm. than the other ones, even though they were all uh, supposedly the same place and they should work the same like yep they just had completely different ways of cooling down and this one uh what was it the reactor it's um normally in a reactor you reveal the rods so that um the water starts to boil and move around and then that moves the turbine right yep and then these ones uh, they couldn't, um, they couldn't reseal the rods, right? They just remained open, right? And then started melting and getting into the the water and all of that. Like yeah. pieces of of uranium were are like just melting off, and um, I exactly. think they said that it, it's still in the like the bottom of the reactor, like in the yeah. in the pool of water. Exactly, like they'll, they'll, they'll never get it out, and It'll uh, be, uh, a problem. And I think uh, just thinking about how when the meltdown happened, no one knew the extent to which um, the radiation could spread from Fukushima. Uh And um, so in in that period, people were terrified of losing Tokyo. Right, like that was the yeah, big fear. understandably, yeah. And this uh, doc, little short uh, video essay, I just linked in the description, which or linked in the chat, which I think we should link in the description too, yeah, I'll, um, because I'll it's put it in the description because it's really great. Um, talks about how both uh, the movie Kimi no Nawa, Your Name, and Shingo Jira both kind of deal with that fear of losing Tokyo, that fear of. Um, disasters from afar coming to tokyo and tokyo is sort of like the center of japan in a way and like how and you see it in you see it in shingojira because godzilla shows up uh not in tokyo like that's not where he shows up um and it's about him slowly moving towards tokyo oh Um, he shows up in like uh like it's in the same prefecture, but he shows up in like a smaller town, something more akin to Fukushima. Um, I see. Yeah. And so that sort of intense fear that, um, fear of losing Tokyo. And I mean, they, well, an interesting quote in the film, actually, I don't know if you remember this when the guy was like, Oh, America doesn't care about um, because when they're talking about dropping a nuke on Tokyo, and uh, yeah, they're like America doesn't care about far off Asia. 
And the guy points out, like, if this was New York, we would do the exact same thing. And what was interesting about that is when you think about it, Tokyo, I highly doubt that they would, but also um, Tokyo to Japan is very much like New York to um, America, right? Like, there's that kind of, that is not the place you want to lose. You do not want to lose Tokyo. Um, We do have... I would argue several of those though, you know? Yes. That's the difference. Whereas they might have one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I think, I don't think Kyoto or Osaka has the same kind of uh, political just, importance or social importance as Tokyo, just based on pure population. Right. Uh, very, just tons of people. So, and like probably even more densely populated than New York, I would, mm-hmm. I would assume. Um, exactly yeah uh yeah i mean that's basically like that there isn't even a comparison in my no. mind i mean i yeah. th- honestly i don't i don't know that they would do that to new york but that's really neither no here. maybe we'll find yeah. out it, it was a really interesting it was a really interesting quote because it's so something yeah. an american would say right it it is like oh and, no, but it's, it. yeah we would do it to america as well yeah, but it's right, also like right. i fucking highly doubt that <laughs> you know like right. yeah exactly. why, why would you why would you even think that that's a good uh you would i don't think you would um Wait. speaking of america something that at first bothered me but eventually grew on me when i realized the joke the absolute mm-hmm. obnoxious overacting of the american japanese chick Oh, it's so stuck out to me. It's so funny. She was not a, a native English speaker. I, I looked it up, the, uh, something about her, like as a little factoid was like, she, she didn't know that she was going to be a native English speaker either. <laughs> very, very quickly, um, very soon before the, before the movie was starting, they were like, you have to learn English. Yeah, and, and like, you can, oh, you can okay. tell. And she does a surprisingly good job for that, but like, right? Uh, yeah, I can totally. I would not be surprised if Ano, just the way he is, did that on purpose. Like one hundred percent was like, I want you to sound like an obnoxious American stereotype in right. Japanese context. I want you to sound. <laughs> it's yeah, so yeah. so perfect in a way. Like, because at first I was like jarred by it. Like it it took me aback a little bit, like kind of took me out of the film. It took me a minute to realize that she was not, that she was probably a Japanese person uh, yeah. who just learned English. And then, and then it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm used to that in watching anime or Japanese films, the classic English problem, as they call it, where right. Westerners watching uh, Japanese media and then someone starts speaking English and they're supposed to be like an American and it's just like it just grinds on you so hard um (laughs) it just like drills right into your fucking brain like Jesus Christ and I mean that's probably how a lot of people all around the world feel in like American films where there's someone speaking a different language right like I think that's probably way more common than we give it credit for I just yeah, I think, I think we never have to deal with it hardly, you know, no. and, and because it really sticks out when we when it does happen. Yeah. So like you think about like in Japan, like her English probably sounded like fucking fantastic, yeah. <laughs> you know, like right. like, yeah, that sounds like English, whatever. Oh, yeah. It's Midwest accent. Yeah. 
And the funniest thing is when she's speaking Japanese, she's like trying so hard to sound like a Westerner speaking Japanese. Like she's just really trying to like inflect in such a way that it doesn't sound like a, a native Japanese speaker. Um, yeah, it didn't stick out to me at all. Uh, yeah, I definitely noticed that um, just hearing the language so much that like it's like there is inflections here. You are trying to sound like you're Japanese, but you're gaudy as fuck. You know, like you are. Right. You are American, you know, and she's really trying to push that, that like thing. And it's hilarious. I just, I just, I just oh God, it's so funny. It's, I mean, it works though. I mean, this is such a tiny, yeah. such a tiny part of the movie, but like, you know, it's another thing that was, it's a point that was well driven home, just like yeah. the rest of the movie. Like they're just, t- everything is driven home the way it should be. Like when exactly. she leaves, she makes a decision at one point to help Japan and sort of, you know, she talks to the president and she says, well, forget you guys, you know, the U S and the UN, like, like we're going to take this on ourselves, that sort of thing. I mean, that happens at the sort of the same time that she just decides like, no, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, um, in between two countries, uh, and you're what, was she a native American or american originally or was she japanese i forget japanese originally well she says her like and grandmother then, was born in japan or something i think and then like educated she might have been, in the u.s and that yeah. sort of thing yeah so she, like her her father is an american politician i think that was the key right so um, she's between these two places kind of trying to decide in a way like what she would rather um be a part of and she yeah. sort of personally decides, like, I, I am, I'd rather be a Japanese right now. Yeah. And um, th- that happens at the exact, she sort of makes her decision as well as the decision for everyone else. Like, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like her personal struggle and the country's struggle. Yeah. But it, that also ties into, like, I, you mentioned earlier the, uh, the the old the old lady I think you said it was it's been a while since I've seen it oh yeah where they the old people where they wouldn't wouldn't shoot shoot down Godzilla it, in the in the attack helicopters down. right and it just the whole thing being about like sort of sacrifice yeah like um and with Fukushima specifically all of those workers staying there and trying to take care of the meltdown while being surely just taking in way too much radiation will absolutely destroy them for the rest of their lives. They will have problems. And it's just like, I, I get that feeling like for whatever reason, culturally or whatever, Japanese people understand sacrifice better than American. Yeah. And we would, that guy, the, the military, uh, leader who says we would do this to New York. Yeah. You, like you said, no, he wouldn't. That's not what anyone here would do. No. Uh, because that's just not a part of, of our culture at all. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of resent that. Yeah. But it is what it is. I think an interesting thing going back to Fukushima, which sort of kind of relates to some of the bureaucracy in, in Shin Godzilla is you know about how um, the reason why the meltdown was so severe 
was that they didn't have safety preparations in order in case there was a meltdown. I heard that, yeah. Because in Japan at the time, they believed that if you prepare people for disaster, it, it's bad for their, psych, their psyche, and yeah. it, can, like, cause the, it can cause problems. Uh, mentally, or you? they mean, like, in the mechanism of running a country? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I forgot okay. exactly. But um, I think both. Like, I think it just it causes problems for the in whole general. system if you prepare people for disaster. Which is sort of ironic thinking about the country that has been hit with probably more. For a first world country, they've been hit with more disasters than any other country I can think of. You know, yeah. in a way, um, that kind of makes some sense. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say it's because it, it makes sense that they, as a country, might be able to stay slightly more positive than an America would because we are constantly thinking of disaster mm-hmm. and what might happen. And if you are, say, sort of um, conditioned to not think of those things, yeah, and then they just happen, as soon as a disaster happens people tend to just do, they just tend to act, you know? Yeah. Uh, and whereas if you're, if you're thinking every day about like, oh, it could happen, it could happen, it could happen, it's just going to drive you crazy. And yeah. when it comes, you're still going to do the same things as everybody else. You're just going to act. But it's mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. I kind of hate that in-between point. That's just kind of what gives me anxiety in general, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, what could happen? And I always think about so like I how get it? I, I'm saying I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it, mm-hmm. but I think I see the logic. And if you think about like um, the amount of uh, socioeconomic um, terror and natural disasters that happened in Japan in the 90s, um, yes. and how that led to the healing boom, and how that led to um, uh, the Yashike becoming a huge deal. Um, can you uh, can you ex- expand on that? Um, the Yashike is the idea of like healing stories, stories or media that is built around the idea of healing. Um, okay, and that was a big thing after the the bubble burst in the '90s, where the economic they had that massive economic collapse. Um, and there was also uh, I think the Hanshin earthquake happened at the time. Or I don't know if it was the Hanshin earthquake. A big earthquake happened, and there was a lot of deaths. And then the sarin gas attacks happened. The oh. which um, it kind of created this tension in Japan. This feeling of that the old way, that the idea of the constantly building up success has been just crushed. Right, that the affluent day to day day to day lifestyle is crushed. And what's interesting is that the healing boom sort of kind of decided to capitalize on romanticizing the everyday, romanticizing this um, the endless everyday, and trying to bring it back to to a zero state, to bring it back to just this affluence. Um, and while also being aware of disaster, in in I mean the good. That cover that sort of stuff, particularly Yokohama Kadeshi Kiko, uh, the manga that uh, deals with um, uh, climate catastrophe in a soothing 
endless everyday sense through the eyes of an immortal robot and um most of the most of the manga is about her just driving around on a on a scooter and taking photos of like yokohama completely underwater and um yokohama is like i highly recommend reading it if you can get around to reading yokohama kadeshi kiko the whole um kind of tone of the manga is very very similar to aria Okay, yeah, I like I like Arya quite a bit. Yeah, so um, it's very much in the same vein of and the Arya is an Iyashike, for sure. Um that deals with a lot of these the 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 ideas of the healing boom, which is still prevalent in a lot of um anime, particularly. Um so I I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but I think that there's something to be said for this sort of return to simplicity, return to safety, return to affluence, keep things cool, keep things chill, you know, don't think about the disasters because the disasters are too new. They're too recent, you know? Um, And I don't know if this did lead to this, but it feel like those laws around not preparing for disaster kind of feels like it was birthed out of that. Out of, out out of um, just a f- the the intense cultural fear and trying to look away from the disasters that they'd experienced already. Yeah, um, I suppose this is very much mean, conjecture. I am projecting. I am making opinions we're, about another country in a way that is not <laughs> but uh all, I can, we, can't help but think that i can't help but think about that when i think about um them not preparing for nuclear meltdowns right well we, yeah i mean we're all going we're going to be projecting it's not our country it's yeah you know, <laughs> exactly so exactly bad. it's so steeped in their politics that you can't ignore it you can't yeah right and i and i can't like i don't know if i want to talk about it i can't i can't talk about it as Japanese, I have to, like, try my best. Yeah. Um, and it, what's really funny is how, you know, if we, were, if we were ignoring the politics behind it, we would have already gotten to the sick-ass laser beam scene. But we haven't, we're not, we're not, we're not going to that yet, because I don't want to talk about that yet, because that scene is so good, but I don't. You, when, basically, when you talk about, like, the actual monster stuff and stuff blowing up. That's when you really want Matt here because Matt gets so excited about that stuff. Exactly. I would actually really like to um, talk about a few key things and I'm going to list them right now. And I I don't have this written down anywhere. It's just off the top of my head. I want to talk about the like Pokemon like phases of Godzilla. I want to talk that. I want to talk about why I want to talk about why that exists, and I want okay. to talk about Ano's reasoning for doing it, and I want to talk about um, the company, Toho, um, the, f- the film company, their reason for being okay with doing that, because no. they originally didn't want him to do that. And uh, I'll get into that. The other thing I really want to talk about is the fucking autism squad. I want to talk about the autism <laughs> squad, because they, that part is so fucking great and uh that's about it really um is that uh, the unofficial name for them because i don't remember that being in the movie 
It's the unofficial name that yeah, uh, an anime beautiful. YouTuber said when he was talking about the movie. He was like, the Autism Squad. And I was like, yeah, that's real. <laughs> so real. Yeah. yeah, for real. That oh, is great. God. They're, they're um, so great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, those are really the two parts of the film that stood out to me the most as the most interesting that I can have the most to say about. But also... I want to talk about my hopes for a sequel, but we can get to that later. Um, you heard about Teen Ultraman, right? Exactly, and oh. uh, I'm I'm tying that in, <laughs> and uh, I want I I want a crossover movie. I want Anno to do uh, Shin Godzilla versus Ultraman. Oh man! I want that to be a thing. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I just I that would be so sick. Also, I do want to. I do want to. At the end of this, talk about Shin Ultraman and why that's important. Um, okay. And when we get to that point, uh, that's going to be me talking about Ano as a creator, especially. In an interview, um, Ano was being asked questions about various films he'd been working on, and particularly Shin Godzilla. And someone asked about the three stages of Godzilla. They were very curious about what the whole thing behind that was, and they, they loved it, but they were like, asked him about it. And his response was, well, I just thought it was a really cool idea um, to have him kind of move from this sort of embryo-like state and grow into the Godzilla we know. Um, but Toho didn't want to go forward with that because to them it would ruin the image of Godzilla. That it would... Um, that to make a Godzilla movie and have his first appearance be this weird lizard creature wasn't in the canon of what Godzilla should be. And Anno was meeting with them and his response, which I just fucking love, which is exactly how most creatives around the world, but especially in Japan, get by with doing whatever the fuck they want. How, how do they do it? They play a little bit into capitalism. So what oh. Anno said was, guys, guys, no, look at me. You can sell three more toys. Ah, uh, that's so gross, and, and it worked. <laughs> it fucking worked. I mean, like, you think about it, like, uh, Shinichiro Watanabe wouldn't have been able to make Cowboy Bebop unless Sunrise accepted the fact that they could sell toys. True. A Evangelion existed because they could sell toys. Yeah, because they're big like, robots. <laughs> Yeah, um, so they were like, you can do whatever you want as long as there's cool toys we can sell. Um, which is such an easy... God, I, I wish producers in the West were like that, in a way, you know? Right. Like, in, oh, yeah. in, in, instead of being, toys, like, controlling... In, 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 instead of controlling everything, they're just like, well, you're, you're, you're really creative, you can do whatever you want as long as you can sell... As long as there's something in it that can sell. And creating a cool design, that's easy. But having to sacrifice the entire product for the sake of the producers, that's how you get David Lynch's Dune. You know? Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he you never these, did that again. Like, you know? No. You get those that problems. That was the one where he's like, I'm never fucking doing this again. Yeah. Because the original idea for the film was great. Of course it was. It was David Lynch doing Dune. The, yeah, I just love the three phases, though. And I, I, want, I want to hear your opinions on it because I My favorite, absolutely adore the way they use CG in this film. Um, it's, it's perfect. Um, yeah. And I had, 
I had read uh, when I was doing my research for this that um, they originally were going to try to use. Um, I think they were going to try to use. I, I can't remember if it was a guy in a suit or like a puppet or something, but it was something real. And they, were they were going to try to do the tokusatsu thing. Yeah. Right. And then it ended up that they couldn't do it. So they used motion capture to get sort of a realistic, um, realistic motion. And, yeah. uh, and, and then they, they would like physically knock, knock down like model buildings, mm-hmm. which is it's like, okay, well, you've pretty much covered most of the bases with that. Like you got an actual object being knocked down and real physics there. So you don't have to deal with that. Yeah. You got, uh, somebody moving in a suit so it looks like godzilla moving you just have to have cg but like i thought it was uh totally believable yeah Uh, and as like when i looked at it i got scared and that's my metric for all of these yeah uh, monster movies is am i scared that's that's basically the reason i have an issue with suitmation which is not really an issue it's just different Mm-hmm. I'm not scared of it, you know. Yeah, I like I like the fear that I get from this CG monster that we're looking at with Shin Godzilla, and I love the initial version mm-hmm. that you just oh. don't expect and you this don't understand. Whatever. It's yeah, so whatever. terrifying. Whatever this thing is coming out of the water, I have not seen it before, and it looks nothing like Godzilla. And it's got gills that are just gushing blood. Yeah. That is the image that sticks out to me, possibly because it's the first thing and possibly because it's probably the most horrifying uh, out the gate. I love the the weird googly eyes. I love how it looks kind of like it gets into that zone of being kind of silly. And that's what makes it more terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a it's like a giant's. Uh, scary clown. Like there's something yeah. goofy about it, and it it freaks you out because it's it's got a knife or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what? Yeah, the the form after that was a lot more Godzilla like. But um, did the initial version have uh four little appendages or no? Uh, it kind of grew them like little. It was kind of a quadruped, but. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. And it just kind of flopped around, but it wasn't it wasn't uh I don't know. It was it was it didn't have a lot of intent and then it just slid off into the water again. And mm-hmm. then it, the next time it was standing upright, yes. Yeah. But it okay. was still not fully Godzilla yet. And these that the in the in between I'm a little less clear on because mm-hmm. I again I only watched it one time and it just kind of happened. And then yeah. the last version of Godzilla. How are you separating these? Do you have uh, the sort of like statue Godzilla as the of another form? Yeah, there there's three real stages too. That's what I thought. Because um, the third stage the, sticks the, out to me. Uh, because the second the, stage is just kind of an in between. Like it's just meant to be this sort of like gangly kind of uncomfortable bleeding version of godzilla yeah that one for some reason didn't stick out to me as much as the first and the third yeah and the third is just fucking yeah well there's so much just in there that i like there 
there might be a lot in the second uh, form that I just missed, but it just seemed like the first version was absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Meant to like be viscerally um, challenging to you. And the third is, is like just a work of art. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can see that there is depth. You can't see every single bit, but it makes you want to look harder. I think one of the one of the best parts of the film, and I think this is something that no American version of Godzilla gets right. No matter how good the aesthetics are, no matter how cool the action scenes are, what they never get right is shooting in daytime. Okay, yeah, they, um, they always they almost always shoot Godzilla at night. Yeah, I've I've heard that critique, and it's probably just easier to animate. I would assume. Yeah, and Shin Gojira doesn't give a fuck. It's they're like it's going to be broad daylight, and we're going to have this like far away shot of Godzilla walking through the city. And there's something about that when it's done right that is way more terrifying because you can just see it clearly as this real thing. You know, it doesn't feel yeah. obscured by um, film. Because darkness obscures scary things. It turns them into something that feels like it's part of a film. Well, wow. You're half scared of the dark as well. You, mm-hmm. you know, it's like why so- the, best, the best zombie movies of all time are always the ones that captured it in the daytime. That captured the fear in broad daylight. Right. You, know, like, it's, you think about it's like... It's twice as scary at night when that thing comes at you. If it looks good in the day. Yeah, you you think about like the the like shots in the original Dawn of the Dead or the original or like Twenty Eight Days Later or something like that, where there's this like um, this sense that it's just really happening, you know? Yeah, Cause... and actually, Walking Dead, the first episode was really good, and a lot of it was in the day. Yep, and that's what made the comic really good too, which is why I was a big fan of the comics for Walking Dead when they were first coming out. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen enough of Walking Dead. We're going to do a like modern zombie episode eventually, so I need to, but uh Oh, if yeah, if you want if you want to bring if you want to bring if you want to bring me on episode, I'd be into that. I uh Maybe. I was big big into zombie films for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we we have to have our zombie phase, right? Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, just we'll, we we sort of fixated on it because it seems like um like around the time that me and Matt were in college, it started like coming back, like right after nine eleven, mm-hmm. and um, it's totally just has has recently peaked and dropped off. You know, yeah, totally. Walking and I think I think Walking Dead, I think Walking Dead, Dead kind of killed it a little bit because yes. what I, it did was it was adapting this really intense, really visceral, really political comic. And watering it down, really. The show really, really watered down a lot of the intensity. Um, uh, because I remember talking to some fans of the show, and I remember asking them, I'm like, oh, so the prison arc. And they're and I'm like, what do you mean it's okay? Don't you remember the scene when she gets revenge on her rapist with a spoon and a blowtorch? And they're like, oh my. they're like, no, that wasn't in the fucking show. And I'm like, what the fuck? They cut that out? <laughs> yeah, that, that was the, that that, that scene up. is 
seared into my mind. I cannot get like it out of my head. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And the show kind of did a really bad job at keeping in a lot of the really potentially triggering stuff. If, if you, that makes sense. Like they in, kept in the intense gore and the, the brutality of it, but they left out a lot of the stuff that could cause um, more societal fear, more emotional fear, you know? Well, I, I think I did not know about that, first of all, but I, I think also just my whole thing with Walking Dead now is it's sort of kept alive by the right wing sort of uh, prepper type mindset. Yep. Totally. Um, so, so it's it. I I feel like the whole zombie thing has sort of been hijacked in the era of the uh, fearing of immigrants. Um, mm-hmm. You know, now that that's back full force. Um, but we should probably get back to Shin. Totally. But um, I, I, I just want to say one thing. It is funny that that happened when you think about how Dawn of the Dead is a critique of consumerism. Um. Okay. Yep. Back back to what we're back to we're uh, to Shin. Um, I want to talk about the laser scene. I just want to I just want to meditate on that for a while. Um, um, it took me. It's I I want to say it took me by surprise. That's like I knew it was coming, but still it was just like so amazing to see. I didn't. Yeah. Ex- I guess I didn't expect it to be that good. No. Like everyone always talk when they talk about Shin Godzilla, there's a slight critique from Godzilla purists that the movie made him silly by adding lasers. And those people are stupid. Those people are stupid because they didn't watch the fucking movie. (laughs) They didn't see the scene where it was just so amazing how like the big the bomb gets dropped on him. While he's blowing fire, it, like, completely just, like, debilitates him. He falls over. He's, like, kind of twitching. And the preparation scene where it, like, starts with smoke billing out of of his mouth. And then the smoke starts turning into fire. And then the fire slowly is, like, kind of spewing out sort of, like, vomit. And then it, like, starts condensing and getting closer and closer and closer together until it becomes a giant laser. That's with yeah. the music, yeah. the fucking music. Oh my God. That scene just like, fuck. And then he has to, he has to like, uh, he has like his cool down period. Yeah. He's like, he's out. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why people would think that's goofy be, because it's, it's a disaster thing. Like it's, it's terrifying to me. Yeah, it's like that is complete destruction. That's worse than fire. That's just like yeah. your entire and, city is going to be gone. And it it plays into the whole unstoppable thing that they have going here where uh in other Godzilla movies that that I've seen he's more of a character and you can we can't talk to him but other monsters could talk to him. He could have sort of pseudo conversations. Sometimes there's speech bubbles. This one <laughs> There's nothing you can do. Uh, early in the movie, like when I believe uh, this might have actually been during his second form, they just say like, "There's nothing we can do." He just walks, like yeah, he just walks in a direction. Like 
And then later, he fucking blows up. Yeah. We try to do something to stop this thing, and we just make it worse. Yeah. It just, all it does is just add more fuel to the fire. It's like this guy who, this, this creature that was just um, indiscriminately walking around breaking shit because it just wanted to move is now angry. And now it's good. That's just another job guys. (laughs) You you just made the lion pissed. Right. Um, But I, I love that that period after where they're just waiting for him to start up again. Mm-hmm. And they're going, what do we, you know? Well, now what do we do? Yeah. Really? We have a little time. Let's figure this out. And mm-hmm. well, I mean, uh, I guess you run into more bureaucracy and that's really where the uh, quote unquote autism squad. Comes yeah. In, right. Like, Which are my forward. favorite guys. I, I just love how he's just like, you are the, you are the top collection of, um, of uh, what was it? it was like otaku weirdos, um, and <laughs> yeah. like p- just generally people who piss people off. You guys are gonna like figure right. this out because you guys do not care about bureaucracy, and that was like really a big part of Ano's mission statement. I feel because it's like let's get together the otaku, let's get together the nerd, let's get together the autists. Which Ano yeah. is a self-described autist otaku. Like, he is 100%, like, he is those guys, you know? And yeah. the movie is sort of saying, in a way, like, hey, fuck bureaucracy. We got to get to the heart of this, and we just got to get a group of nerds together to deal with it. People who uh, don't care about whether or not... They, they want to stop it. They don't want to just destroy it. They want to find the best way to stop it. Yes. Um, I mean, there. it's a weird movie because mm-hmm. I love those kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Like, I am, I feel like I am one of, one of those kinds of people where it's like, no, let's just get this done. Whatever the problem is, we have to take care of it. Same, yeah. Um, but I do also, in a way, feel for everyone because I understand the whole bureaucratic thing. Like... Yeah. If you're trying to be a leader and you've got all these other people trying to be leaders too, and you're all just sort of like handcuffed, like I like I don't know. I, I came out of the movie thinking like, wow, I really feel for everybody in this movie. Even if yeah. I don't like them. Like I, I have like I like that Anno is able to achieve that. Mm-hmm. Um because a lot of times in Godzilla movies, I don't feel anything for the people. No. In in the new Godzilla movie, I hated all the people actively. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Everyone in this movie is making a stupid fucking decision. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, that, that's the best part. No one makes stupid decisions in Shin Gojira without a reason. You know? Right. Like, if people are making a stupid decision, it's because they're stupid. They're not just making stupid decisions because... And that's one of the biggest problems in most horror movies and most like action movies in the West nowadays is people make stupid decisions because stupid decisions develop the plot. Right. And this and one, the plot, it's so huge that no one can stop it. I, Everyone oh, in this movie can make a good decision or an understandable one, and it's mm-hmm. still going to fucking happen. I loved when the, um, the like, interim prime minister gets put in after the prime minister uh-huh. dies. And how he's just, like, so unhappy to be in that position. Like, how he's just, like, 
<laughs> and it's just it's super like amplified by like there's this really intense meeting with him going on and then they leave and he like looks down and he's like oh my noodles got cold right <laughs> it's just like oh no <laughs> I, w- I, was like, are they- I-, I was like are they trying to say he's a like a wet noodle of a prime <laughs> minister and he turns out to be okay but yeah. my first thought was like oh are they making a thing here yeah um, he's definitely like a a nice guy is just like in a, in a situation that doesn't fit him at all. Oh God. Um, yeah. It's those uh, little human things too. Like that yeah. probably would kind of upset you. Like, Oh God. My noodles, yeah. my noodles got soggy. Oh God. <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, no one, no one makes a bad decision though. In In my opinion, unless I watch it again and I find like a couple people, but, no one makes like yeah, a, a dumb decision. It. No one makes a decision that doesn't make sense. Everyone makes a yeah. decision that makes sense, even if it's not a great one. Like, right. You could always go back and the go ideal like, yeah, one. I see why you did that. And yeah. Yeah. Like everything the Americans do makes sense and they're in their corner. You know, like everyone is just trying to deal the best they can. Right. And it, it is a strange situation between the U.S. and Japan. I mean, at all times, just because of, like, their... I mean, if you're looking at it from, from their side, like, we're literally trusting you guys to take care of us when things go really wrong. Yeah. It, 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 like, that's... Uh, that's a lot of trust. Yeah. And... Um, it, is that the point? Do the Americans drop the nuke on that? On... Godzilla or do the Japanese? The Japanese drop a bomb, just a, a regular bomb on Godzilla. Yeah, the, bomb. Nuke, the, yeah, the, nuke, the nuke the nuke is never dropped. Yeah, um, the nuke would destroy the whole thing anyway. I don't know why yeah, I say because, nuke. Because they, it was Japanese. Um, America or no, it wasn't Japanese. It was America that came in with better weapons, right? With fighter jets. Right. right and because they all, they all get completely destroyed by the laser. The laser tail. Right. Um. Wow. So, and then during this cooldown period, Autism Squad comes up with a actual workable plan. Yeah the the freezing <clears throat> the freezing of the blood. Um. And I I had read that they used the same like devices that they used to fill up Godzilla's mouth in this were used in the Fukushima disaster. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Shit. Yeah. That's uh, cool. I was like, not sure the science behind that or how they were actually used during the disaster, but that was just something that Anno threw in there to, again, just kind of tie it into, like, the real-life situation. Oh, that's very clear. Yeah. I loved that scene with all the, like, the trains that... Um, I remember, I think it was Digibro, one of the, well, it was some YouTuber who, it doesn't really matter who they are, but they were talking about this movie. And they commented on how um, the scene with the trains where all the trains are like driving at him and attacking him is the most Japanese thing ever. Because what you have, it's like you have this, this thing that they're known for their train system and that's being used as a weapon. (laughs) And there's just something so entertaining and fascinating and fun about that. You know, like there's like this, You know, all these trains just like pfft, noodling up and exploding everywhere, and just it's it was so ridiculous and perfect. I loved it. it. 
Well, yeah, it's going to be completely ineffective anyway. Like, you know that going in. And then yeah, just, all, all it's doing is kind of making of him is... making him kind of like stumble. That was the only point. He doesn't really do much after that, I don't think, does he? No, he kind of he kills like the first wave of workers that are going in to insert the chemical. I do remember that. Yeah, one of them gets hit. I think the thing that sticks with people um is just the the last image of Godzilla. Like oh, when I mentioned God. to one of my friends that we were going to do uh actually he just brought it up on his own. He said, "Are you guys going to do Shin?" And then yeah. he sent me uh, a photo of Godzilla's tail at the end of the movie with all the skeletons coming out of it, all the like yes. humanoid. And he's like he he just was gushing about it. Yeah. Um I've been I've been saving that last shot. I've been saving it. I've got, that's yeah, why I yeah. got confused about uh how many forms Godzilla has because people consider the tail to possibly be the, the fourth evolution. Yeah. The fourth evolution being him mimicking humans, which is right. absolutely terrifying. When you think about it, like Yes. Because everything he does is in response to, right? Like every action Godzilla makes in the movie is just in response to what he's experiencing. And when he realizes that there's a chance that these creatures might have the ability to defeat him, well, what better way to become more powerful than them to be than to become them? Yeah, I think that's uh from a from a, like if you if you buy it as a pure monster movie, I think that is Definitely the way you would go um, is he's, re- he's adapting to us. And I don't know, from another angle, I sort of saw it as like we sort of we, with, with the whole bureaucracy thing clouding the whole uh, the whole movie. Um, it seemed like humans might have been the problem the whole time when you really get down to it. Like yep. our responses. So I saw the possibly human skeletons in in his tail as uh saying that sort of like in a way well, yeah yeah the real the real monster is us you know the classic 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 monster movie trope right it was there in you the whole you time can't, you can't yeah. you can't you can't not love it right like right well the, the, the real monster was the friends we made along the way <laughs> well like it's it's never changed since movies started. It has always been friggin' us ruining as many things as possible, right? Yeah, exactly. And, us and nature. Yeah, and that the monster, the, the the terrifying thing, is sometimes only made worse by our actions. Which right or inaction? In this case, I think it would just be inaction. Inaction, yeah. inaction. Yeah, the lack of yeah. moving forward, the lack of being able to. Yeah, make a decision. Wait, just the the visuals, man. Like, I I still have this image of uh, Godzilla, uh, obviously walking, but like, there's power lines in front of him, and there's a bunch of dust being kicked up by him walking, and they yeah. just kept the dust in the foreground and the power lines and stuff, and and he's it's pure daylight, like you said, it's mm-hmm. gorgeous. Yeah, and I'm like watching this, just like they did this, they did this so perfectly. Yeah. So like unthinkably well done. Uh, yeah. Visual. And I I, don't, I feel like maybe only an anime director could have really directed a live <laughs> action movie this way. 
I, I kind of agree with that. Like a lot of people say that um, Shin Gojira is the closest thing we'll ever get to a live action adaptation. Right. And, and, and that, like, when I was watching it, when I was watching it with Matt, I turned to him and I said, This is the most anime movie, I've, uh, anime live action movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. I, and, it and has that was, sense of scale. It has that sense of like aesthetic scale that like a movie like Akira has or, or the movie End of Evangelion has or something like that where there's this sense of just uncontrollable power being presented that is really hard to present or almost impossible to present live action. But Anno proved us wrong. Right. You would think it was impossible. Yeah, um, you'd think it'd be impossible to create the same intensity of uh, Tetsuo transforming into the giant blob monster in Akira in live action. You know what I mean? Like, you think it would be impossible to do that, but the scene with the laser captures that same feeling. It captures that same absolute cosmic horror that is one of the hardest things to pull off in live action film. It's one of the hardest things to pull off in film at all. Um, Right. That's that's the thing, honestly, that all... All, all Godzilla movies do struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, th- I think they definitely achieved it with the, uh, the first movie. People yeah. were terrified. And then I think sort of... For its time, it's, it was definitely like achieved it for sure. Yeah. Purely talking out of my ass now. But like, uh, it seems like as you go on and the Godzilla gets to become less of a villain, more of a character, funnier, that mm-hmm. seems like an adaptation of like, well, we can't scare him anymore. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's it, to me that that's what it seems like. I, I could be proven wrong by several movies that I haven't seen, but generally um, speaking they're they were more about being fun and badass and just like crazy cool, you know, right. in their own right. While, Shingo Jira is really bringing it back to the feeling of like, there's a meaning here. This means something. This is terrifying. This right. is crushing. This will, this changes everything, you know? Yeah. In, and, uh, no, yeah, I, I love that feeling. I love the, I love being scared by something and actually being scared by it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so rare. Um, totally. So yeah, this, this movie for me, it's my favorite that I have seen so far. Mm-hmm. For, but I mean, I'm not, like I said, a Godzilla guy. Um, mm-hmm. Matt, um, I don't know where this ranks for him, but I, I know, I think he, uh, he definitely recognizes that it's a different beast, uh, mm-hmm. but also loves it. You know, for me, it's just as a movie, just one of the best. Yeah, no, it's, it's like a brilliant film. Um, one thing I want to talk about just as where my interests lie and where <clears throat> what I know about since we're kind of nearing that point is, uh, is Anno himself and who he yeah. is and where he comes from, what his innovations are in the world of just art in general. And I highly encourage everyone to consume as much stuff that Anno has his fingerprints on as possible especially if you like Shingo because there is a consistency to his work that is very clear. And if you like Shin Godzilla, you will like Evangelion 
uh, you, you will like all of his work. Um, so Hideaki Anno started out, um, he went to a, an arts college where he was studying to be an animator and um, in the 70s. And so his influences were like Dezaki, World Masterpiece Theater stuff. Um, so early Miyazaki, early Takahata, that kind what of stuff. Dezaki, what is, where are um, on? Osama Dezaki uh, was one of the forefathers of like anime in the way I we, see. the way we view it like in the seventies. So he was the one that really brought like the Pre- idea of, yeah, it was, it was, it, it was anime. Unlike uh, Tezuka where, who did Astro Boy, where it was sort of proto. Um, okay. Dezaki uh, was the one who did Ashita no Joe, the long, the long running boxing series that's supposedly like super intense and emotional and heavy. He did Rosa Versailles, the, the anime about like, that's just a realistic depiction of the French revolution. Like that was the kind of stuff that was going on at the time. But Ano was big into world masterpiece theater. He was big into um, uh, Miyazaki's work at the time on like, on work, like, just all the stuff, right? Like, and he was really big into space battleship Yamato and early Gundam and all that kind of stuff. The mech stuff, the stuff that was like bringing that to the forefront at the time, most anime creators weren't fans of anime. They were Hmm. people who got into it because they were into art. And Ano was one of the first anime creators was into anime. He was one of the first people who was actually in otaku. He was one of the first people to be like, there's something here that's different from just the broader spectrum of what art is. And um, for anybody who might not be familiar, define otaku. Um, otaku is, a, is just an obsessive nerd. That's that probably right. the best that's- translation. But it so- ended up being applied to anime a lot late in the early 2000s in Japan. Yeah. Um, okay. Just, just for the, anyone who might not know. Yeah. No. No. Sweet. So the thing about Ano is that he uh, wanted to start making animation. Like that was his big. That was definitely an interest of his. But his main influence, and this is bringing to what he's about to work on soon, his number one influence, the thing that he was super into, and the first film, which was a live action film he ever made in school, was a was a parody of it is was Ultraman. So he created this weird tokusatsu parody where Ano, Hideaki Ano himself, as a young guy, is Ultraman with this like red um like he wears like the Ultraman thing like in his chest, like the red dot. But other than that, he's just Ano. Like he's not wearing the Ultraman costume. And he just becomes like a giant and fights this weird like um, cardboard monster, um, and it's hilarious. It's so stupid, but you can find it. It's on YouTube, and uh, so I think it's great. I'm like unbelievably happy that he's doing Shin Ultraman because no, me Ano deserves that. He deserves to create the thing that inspired him the most. Um. No, so I, I know from I know from talking to Matt that one of the concerns that might come from him doing Shin Ultraman is that Ultraman is a sort of 
apparently, I've never watched any of it. I'm just going by no. what Matt said, but it's a very positive force. Um, yeah. Where he's he's sort of, um, it's almost to a silly degree. Okay. Um, <laughs> positive. I can I can combat that um, that fear okay. by giving more context to what to Ano's career. Okay. Because Shin Godzilla is close to Ava, but not really close to anything else he's done. Um, so after doing this Ultraman parody, he did a short... He started up Gainax, or almost started up Gainax Studio with his friends from the school, which was the first anime studio ever to be independent and to be made by people who were fans of anime. Um, oh. And out of their room, they did these short films for this convention called Daikon. That was the science fiction conventions were going on in Japan at the time. So he would do these opening films. And Daikon 3, the opening animation, is something that I think every single person who's into anything related to nerd culture needs to watch as soon as possible. It's on YouTube. Daikon Daikon 3. Yeah, D uh, D A I C O N C O N C O N. Yeah, because okay. it's convention. Daikon. Okay. Oh, Daikon okay, three, yeah. and or Daikon four. Daikon four. Sorry, that was a mistake. Okay. Daikon four, and pretty much what you get is you get the amalgamation of everything Ano has ever done since, all crammed into this giant epic work of copyright infringement. <laughs> So what you it. get is yeah. this story about this girl in a bunny suit who's like running around fighting Darth Vader and fighting like all these different mechs from all his favorite anime. And they're all like running around and she's like on this like fucking sword and it's a sword from some old fantasy game. And there's like this crazy animation of like a, a whole entire city being completely destroyed by this explosion. And it's pretty much like shot by shot the same as the end of evangelion um like a lot of the shots in end of ava are directly in reference to his own work on daikon 4 which was also directed and produced by like all of his friends so it wasn't just him but yeah they made it themselves as like five people in their room and it's animation at a level that you don't even see done in a studio of a thousand people like it's insane and the whole entire short film that's like five minutes long the soundtrack is twilight by electric light orchestra so when i say copyright infringement i literally mean it that movie shouldn't exist it's illegal and that you was on it's, a... it's on youtube yeah someone uploaded it they've been pretty aggressive with their music takedowns lately that's all yeah i think that the 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 case for Daikon 4, just, I don't think people care because it's just so, so ah. niche. Okay, um, yeah. So after that, um, Gainax really started up. They got funding. Uh, Hideaki Anno got invited by Miyazaki to do animation for, and, and put a pin in this, to do animation for Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind or the scene where the giant warrior is shooting a laser from its mouth, destroying all the ohms, um, huh. which is one of the most like visually stunning scenes in the entire film that was animated by Hideaki Anno. Okay. When he was like in his 
like he was probably like 30 or no, he would have been like 28 or something. And after that, he worked on this movie called the Royal Space Force, which is terrible. Never watch it. It's bad. Um, Honor didn't direct it. Got it's it. not, it's not good. It's just so stupid. Um, so many tropes. Like, off the list. Hey. Uh, and there was a bunch of failure in the production of the second movie and it never got made. And then he got given this kind of world masterpiece theater-esque show called Nadia, The Secret Blue Water. But around the same time or before then, he also made an OVA, which I highly recommend, called Gunbuster, which is this super emotional six-episode OVA um, that like deals with, uh, deals with similar themes that the movie Interstellar does, but in like... An, an 80s anime OVA. So similar themes of like relativity and space and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, relativity, Einstein's relativity and space being space and time. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, kind yeah. of a big subject to take on. Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's really great. Great show, six episodes, really worth watching, and lo- laid the groundwork for what became Ev- Evangelion. So, with the exception of uh, that OVA, with the exception of Gumbuster, there was a constant problem that plagued Gynax, where projects would be fucked with or have to, like change in the later half so nadia the secret of blue water supposedly i haven't seen an amazing show until all of a sudden it is one of the worst shows ever made just near the end like it just like switches gears worse than twin peaks like just goes fucking off the deep end down it's just like shit show i have and i have a soft spot for the bad twins twin peaks episodes but go ahead yeah these ones are like embarrassing like they actually like ruin characters so, with the failure of the sequel to the Royal Space Force, with the failure of Nadia, Anno was terif- ter- tremendously depressed. And he just recently had a breakup, and his life was just in absolute shambles. And then he got the opportunity to make Ava, which and, and I, is literally a meditation on depression. The whole entire show is a meditation on how we communicate oh. and depression. Like, that is really what the show's about. It is about, it's a very personal, philosophical show, especially as it goes about communication and psychology. That is the, the baseline of it, and especially the movie, where the whole theme of the movie is um, life is worth living even if you experience pain. Um, kind of hopeful, despite people taking it as a depressing film. I think... That's beautiful. And uh, uh, most movies that want to make that statement end up being depressing to most people just because there's something sad in it. Like they see something sad and they're like, Oh, I'm that. I don't like that. But they don't see that the end where someone might actually like come around and be like, you know what? Let's just do this anyway. This (laughs) we can do the thing about the thing about end of Evangelion is that it's, like my friend who watched it still th- considers it probably the most fucked up movie he's ever seen in his life. And he's seen old boy. Like oh, <laughs> I, I gotta, I've got to see this movie then. Yeah. It, it ends the show perfectly. It's incredible. You got to finish the show. 
Yeah, um, having only, having only seen a couple, I mean, I I can tell that like it seems to me that the the kid is sort of having trouble with um doing the the things that he's done just in the first two episodes where he's like, yeah. "Okay, this is really hard and I'm not prepared for it and, you yeah. know, but yeah, I I could see how it could flip to a a depression thing because of his family situation where maybe he's not been cared for mm-hmm. uh, as as well as we would like. Yeah. And after Evangelion, which keep in mind had to shat, this, there's a common myth going around that the show Neon Genesis Evangelion ran out of budget in the later half, which is why the show started using more limited animation and became kind of weird near the end of the show okay. itself, which is why the movie exists in the first place to wrap things up in high quality. So that rumor is pretty it's reliable. Not, it's not true. Um, oh, okay. they didn't run out of budget. They ran out of time. They ran out of time I'm... because the sarin gas attacks happened and they had to shaft an entire plot point no you mentioned the sarin gas attacks earlier and i don't know what those are in um, around the, in, the, in 1995 i think there was a cult called the om Shinrikyo that I've heard um, of them. they committed a gas attack on a subway in tokyo using sarin gas and yeah. it killed a bunch of people it was one of the most it's, devastating that's ever happened there the same gas that they use in Syria now, where it fills your lungs with your with fluid. Yeah, yeah. You drown in your own lungs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. So that um, happened, and the show had a whole arc that was too close to that disaster, so they had to cancel it. So the show kind of went a different direction and then Anno had an idea and then they couldn't afford to do the idea because it was too big. So then they did this weird psychological thing and then he made the movie. So that's what happened there. Cause there's this common trope going around of this thing called a Gynax ending, which is <laughs> uh, a show that's really amazing and then runs out of steam and just kind of goes off the deep end near the end. Uh, the that's thing is, rude. Evangelion doesn't do that. Anyone who thinks the last episode of Gunbuster being in black and white is because they ran out of budget is an idiot. They animated that in black and white. You fucking okay. idiots. Um, All right. And okay. Yeah, they think it's a budget problem. They don't. They don't realize that they did it on purpose. All right. As an uh, yeah. No, I. I believe that. I mean, that's the internet's just filled with people who are just like, I don't get it. Yeah. So and, speaking, and I'm mad for some reason. Yeah. <clears throat> speaking of Gynax endings, after that, and this is where I'm getting to when you said positive stuff, that Ultraman yes. is a super positive, uplifting thing. Do you know what the next show Hideyakiano did was? After Evangelion. It's a show uh, called Kadeshi Kanojo no Jijo, or His and Her Circumstances. A slightly dramatic, but overly, overtly uplifting romantic comedy. And it is easily one of the greatest romantic comedies I've ever seen in my life, up there with When Harry Met Sally, if not better. And it's sincerely done? It's like a... Very sincere. Yeah, okay. He 
adapted this manga, and that show also had a ridiculous ending. Reasons behind that is that the manga author actually had a terrible idea of where she wanted to go, and it went down a road that was like really not okay and kind of creepy and disgusting. And it was really overly dramatic and awful. And guess who was the person who decided to make the story more light and more comedic? Anno. Anno was the the one who was like, no, the best part of your work is the comedy. So we're going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the character development and the comedy and all that stuff and the aesthetics and everything else. And she got super pissed at him. She was like, I want you to cancel this show. You guys aren't doing it right. So Anno oh. said, Anno said, fuck you. Okay, <laughs> I'm done working on this show. And he gave it to the then young Hiroki, Hiroki Imaishi, the director of who eventually went on to do Gurren Lagan and um, Kill La Kill. And okay. Imaishi came in and did this weird episode where in the episode you have... Everything is done with real photographs and cut out pieces of paper. Characters just randomly light on fire, and it's just literally the paper being filmed lighting on fire. And there's a kaiju battle. There's a kaiju battle. So pretty much what happened before episode 19, it's called Karekano, or Kareshikan. It's called His and Her Circumstances. His His and Her her Circumstances. So the romantic comedy ends with a kaiju battle. Well, episode 19 decides to do this crazy weird thing that was more symbolic. And then after that, um, mm-hmm. Anno's understudy came in and just sort of directed the last few episodes in a kind of minimal, cheap way just to kind of get it done. And then it ended kind of I see. unfulfillingly. They're not bad episodes. None of them are bad. They're all great. It's just that the quality that the show had kept up up until episode 18 was so high that it was kind of shocking. So finding out that finding out that it was actually just Anno being like, "Fuck you, you asshole! I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm I'm not working on this anymore. Here, you guys deal with it." Uh, yeah, every time I talk to you, you bring up like eight anime that all sound great, and I just never have yeah. time to watch them. I mean, I still think um, you need to watch Song Got to No Line as possible, but that's just that's. Just I think I watched one episode of that, and that's just like again, just a matter of like time. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, that the... was really good. I mean, the, I, that's the thing. Like, I'll, I probably can guarantee I'll finish Evangelion. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, it's kind of just random what I can watch. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, Ano. Ano. So after Katakano, he decided never to watch TV anime again. Um. He made some weird short films. Other people started taking over at Gainax. So Imaishi, uh, Tatsuya Sudamaki with Fuli Kuli, um, Imaishi with Gurren Lagan. And uh, eventually he broke off to do the Evangelion rebuild films, which are not good. <laughs> but the thing about them is that they were less about him creating something he wanted to create, but about bringing life back into the anime um, community by presenting these like training projects and building up this, this like epic visual Marvel, if that makes sense. So the films are visually awesome, 
they're just like terrible movies because whoever writes them and directs them doesn't get Ava, but honor doesn't really care. Uh, okay. So other than making a bunch of weird short films about people fighting, like literally having like an epic, like Togusatsu style battle, who gets to sit in the one seat left on the train, which is a great short film, by the way, and you have to watch it. People like fly and shit. It's great. Um, uh, and a couple other short films, like a cutie honey film and that kind of stuff. He kind of just got married and started focusing on instead uh, being almost like a philanthropist. So he co-started this uh, convention for young animators to come and present short films. And that's where we got things like Me, Me, Me. We got things like Sex and Violence uh, with Mock Speed and a bunch of these other weird short films that ended up going on to inspire bigger projects. And that was all uh, run by Anno and Gynax, or not Gynax, Kara, which was broke out of Gynax because Gynax ended up getting, it was all weird. That's all politics that I don't need to get into right it's now. All sort of anime studios. Bullshit. Uh, just breaking stuff goes off. And, yeah. Um, but Anno also created a, by the way, the, that, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Uh, Japan Animators Expo, I think, is the name. Uh, okay. Great collection of short films. They're not all perfect, but it's just really interesting, and Anno was responsible for a lot of it, for, like, producing it and making sure it happened. And he also started up the first Museum of Tokusatsu Miniatures, so small buildings used in tokusatsu films. So Whoa. he was, like, a huge fan of doing that kind of stuff. And he so made a short. He's all he made, over. Yeah, it, it, he's all over the place. But it just seems like everything he does, he tries to make sure that it is the best package that he can make. Yeah, um, and the most and the most caring, the most like caring about product, right? The most caring right. about the actual creative endeavor and the people working on it. Um, it, which is I don't know. I really value that in, in artists. Where um, maybe they're out of their element at times. Who knows? But they just they do their best and they make it all work together. And Anno is like one of my favorite directors, and yet he's one of those directors who's famous for almost never creating a product that's actually perfect. But I think that's right. why I love him is that he. But, but there's a mania of his that kind of goes into it. Like he's absolutely dedicated. It's just like yeah. maybe. It's imperfect, which is just and what it is anyway, is what art is. For the Tokusatsu miniatures thing, he worked with Studio Ghibli to yeah. create a short film uh, using the miniatures and using people in suits to do a scene of the, the giant god warriors from Nausicaa of the Valley of Wind coming down and destroying Tokyo. And all of the, cinemato- all of the ideas presented in that ended up being what he used for Shin Godzilla. So that's kind of what happened there. That's kind of the, the, the through line, in a sense. It's, it sounds kind of like a lot of his previous uh, wins, like his, his good ideas, sort of just came back for Shin Godzilla. Yep. To the point Possibly. of where the soundtrack from Ava is used Shin Godzilla. It's like... Right. Where, where it's like... It's almost it's almost like his greatest hits movie, but it's a Godzilla movie. I know um, it's that's totally what it is. Like it's totally just expressing everything he's good at. But it it makes it a really good film, you know. Yeah. 
not any worse for it being a collection of of his good stuff. I mean, like even in the first ep- couple episodes of Evangelion, like there are shots that are reminiscent. Um, the pacing is reminiscent. Yeah, it's it it. I don't know. I I really I do want to check out more of the guy's stuff because mm-hmm. he's just good at it. And anybody who's that um, I guess fastidious about like yeah uh, like what what's just making sure that w- what they do is good yeah um and and it seems like um like his distaste for bureaucracy and stuff like that that's sort of an extension of like being an artist and trying to make art yeah um in a system like that where you have to answer to all of these other people like that may be why artists really tend to hate um politics and that sort of thinking anyway like mm-hmm. They don't want to answer to anybody when they know when, when something is right. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, yeah, Shin Godzilla just represents so much hope for Ano, in my opinion, because with the rebuilds, it was really hard to tell if he'd lost it. Like, it was really hard to tell if, because the movies weren't good, it was kind of, there was this opinion that he wasn't good anymore, that he lost his, but finding out that his hand in those films wasn't as strong as I think. Yeah. And that, like, seeing Shin Godzilla proved that this guy is still got it, and in a way might be better than ever, um, was really nice to see, and Knowing that he's done stuff like Kare Kano, a romantic comedy, I have a feeling that he'll be able to pull off Ultraman very well and very respectfully. I think that it'll be... He, he will play up the, the friendly silliness of the whole thing. Well, I, because that's I, what he loves I, about it. That's what he loves about yeah. it, right? That, that would be a nice change of pace from... Or at least just from Godzilla. But... Um... I'm looking forward to seeing it because I enjoyed this movie so much. And mm-hmm. I know I know that Matt is probably looking forward to it. He just had maybe a, a concern or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I, I love this guy. I love this guy's stuff from what I've seen. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, Same. That's probably we should wrap up. Uh, yeah. Did you want to plug anything of your own? Uh, there's nothing really new that I feel like I desire to plug. I mean, okay, that's humility. Pay attention. Pay, pay attention to my label, Collapse Structures. There's something on there soon. Collapsestructures.bandcamp. It's collapsestructures.com. Actually, is it? Oh, yeah, okay. I, I bought it. But All the, right, good for you. Uh, Sour Gout is my name. I do music sometimes. Um, going to school for it so i kind of can't release as much yeah, but yeah kind of a, a music scholar so yeah your music I'm, and uh, knowledge are um comparable yeah yeah i'd say that and i'd almost say my anime knowledge is deeper which is really, yeah, it, it, which is really it, unfortunate it, because of what i'm studying like it's like why do i have to know so much about this why do i have to be able to bring off the top of my head some show by like show called neo ranga and be able to name the right 
Like, why is it that right. I have to be like, yeah, what? Not, not only are we going to watch Neo Ranga, by the way, it's written by Sho Aikawa. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's, how uh, do I know this shit? I mean, that happens to all of us, though. I mean, I think my, my interests don't necessarily align with uh, my life's course either. But I mean, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a musician who runs a label, and you happen to be co-running a podcast about kaiju films, so, like, who cares? Honestly, I love it. I love to have that kind of freedom where it's just like, yeah, let's just start a podcast, you know? Yeah, no, it's a great idea. I've wanted to start them for a long time, because I, 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 I love the idea, and I have so much to say all the time. I remember there was a really great meme I saw where it was like... Um, where it was like uh, my my little kid, Daddy, what does a what is a podcast? And I and I just look at him and say, you know, sometimes when a when a bunch of men love their ideas very much, so that's pretty much what a podcast is: is a, a bunch of men loving their ideas very much. <laughs> yep. Anyway, and, uh, I love I love podcasts. Many women, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, I, I know it was it was just funny. The general like. <laughs> obnoxious male dominated podcast it is um it is stereotypically exactly what we are is white males talking about nerdy shit so yeah i know yeah. it's like it's like what let's let's deep dive into japanese media <laughs> yep. well, exactly what I, we are i think uh that's as good a place to end it as we're gonna find because we'll go on yeah. forever i'll uh bounce this back out to uh I guess me and Matt doing yeah. the closing, and then uh, all right, lovely talking with you, Zach. Yeah, that was great. I'm glad we were able to talk about that film finally because I love it. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna say the actual goodbye after I stop recording. But uh, okay, everybody, back to other us. Back to us again. Big thanks to Zach for dropping in and uh, yakking with us about stuff. Always good to get uh, another voice in there, and especially somebody who actually knows something about anime because i know that's neither of us yeah and it's so important to this it's so important to shin i mean what, whatever you feel about your godzilla movies this one has a lot of anime influence so it is baked fucking, into the dna you gotta talk flick. about it and it's absolutely i don't know if, i'm i'm in love with that stuff uh just as an outsider just starting to understand it i think it's great it it might just be exciting to me because it's new to me yeah you know, and it's a whole world that's new to me. But uh, Zach, uh, you know, hit it out of the park. I had to cut him off, <laughs> like he, could, you know. But uh, that's what happens when you get an expert. That's how it, when you know when you got a person who knows what they're saying, who knows it, yeah, and loves it too. They, that's they that just, powerful combo. They got a lot to say about it. Yep. So, um, but yeah, did a great job. Um, thank you, Zach. Hope, thank you, Zach. Um, I want to have him on again. Hell yeah! Sometime, um, he he um suggested uh what was it Neo Ranga? It's, it's a uh, giant monster anime. Hell yeah! Sign me up. So yeah, he was talking about coming back on. So we'll we'll see you know what's happening down the line. Yeah, I'd love to have more guests on in the future too. I for think, sure. I think there's a lot of exciting things we could do with that. Yes, like we we need to get creative with that. You know, like yeah. really. Reach out and start reaching out. See who's yeah. out there. I'm bad at that, man. But I I'll got a lot your... of smart friends, so I don't know. Right? You know, like, yeah. why? What do we need them for? <laughs> but I mean, the you know the celebs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's get what some do, celebs what do we need on them here. For 
Oh, wh- why do we need yeah, the celebs? Yeah, why do we need them when we got good friends who are fucking know their shit? Oh, yeah, no. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, just like, I don't, I don't plan on getting celebs. Just, uh, just I, cool people who I know do, stuff. I do, Matt. I know you do. You're, you're on the phone with Tom Cruise every day. We need Cruise to bring the money day. in, Matt. <laughs> oh, um, boy, corporate Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> I'm wearing my suit. <laughs> Ralph I is wear wearing my suit a... to the podcast every time he, we cast. He has. I'm in cargo shorts and a Dr. Pepper shirt, and he is in a very nice three-piece tux. God damn. I always feel a little awkward. When Matt Ralph... hides my briefcase. He can't allow me to have that kind of power in the room. No, it throws off the dynamic of the I, show. I am always randomly opening and closing it. Yeah. When I, just to make him feel uncomfortable. And it works because there's like $100,000 in there. Well. You think there's $100,000 in there. Have you ever seen what's in there? No, you close it every time I try That's to take a what look. I'm so saying. That's a... why it's a power move because oh, it could. Yep. Ralph knows the art of the deal. So, Zach, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Zach. Um, we'll see you all uh, uh, soon. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've got a full. I've got the the outro and the thank yous and all that shit. Oh, Do you want to run through that? I forgot about all. Of yeah, that dog. Garbage. I got you. I got you. All the here. Let me sift through this trash for you, please. Um, Ralph, what did, what are your final thoughts on the film? Oh, I I love it. I have like uh, as a dumb dumb in every respect <laughs> with anime and kaiju. Like I I'm like you know I don't I don't have any like um you kind of don't have a dog uh, expert in critiques on on a a film this good it is just good i yeah. love it so yeah. what I do th- you think i i love it uh it's it like kind of like we were saying earlier i think of it as a capital f film mm-hmm. but it's surprisingly enough it's like accessible to randos and i, th- I think i think it is i think your uh, enjoyment of, of it is a testament to that it's a lot of raw emotion yeah that anybody could kind of just tap into yeah Yep, it's 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 easy to key into and um I I think top to bottom it's it's like this very tight kind of perfect movie. Mm-hmm. But um I will say as much as I love it, I I don't want this to be the new normal for Godzilla, if that uh, makes any sense. Yeah. I like this as a one-off standalone movie. I wouldn't want the the franchise going forward to continue like this does well, that make sense we had king of the monsters and, uh, and all yeah you know so i right exactly so like we've already seen we've already seen the the franchise go in different directions and i think that's i think this will be the most powerful if it stays a standalone thing so when to- the the rights are going to revert back to toho after yeah. uh godzilla versus kong and when they do i think they would be wise to let this stand on its own um who knows yeah we'll see uh yeah I mean, they they can do another another movie, sort of. Um, they can do another serious Godzilla movie, but oh, for sure. it to be another Ano movie, it, it might be a little. Well, Ano's next project is Shin Ultraman. Shin Ultraman, but yeah. I mean to go back to Godzilla again. That's really a good standalone piece, but you know, yeah, I I love it as its own. And hopefully, there's movie. not another Fukushima for him to write a movie about. Oh my God! Right? Yeah. Jesus. So. <laughs> pretty please uh but yeah if if you're if you're interested in it at all if you're curious about it at all i mean if you're listening to this you've probably seen it but if you haven't check it out yes it's great fucking movie totally agree 100 percent recommended yeah yeah of of all the movies we've watched this is the one i think most people should definitely see yeah 
I I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. It's a rock solid movie. Um so yeah. Uh did, Ralph did we did we squeeze all the juice? I think we juice this boy. Oh yeah. Yep. And this is a this is a thick kind of this raspberry syrup, right? Yeah. When it right. comes to when it comes to Shin, yep. Shin Godzilla juice. There is a lot here to to comb through. So mm-hmm. Um Was there anything else? No. All uh right. yeah. Uh, just thanks again to Zach for joining us. Uh, Ralph, thank you for our theme song, yep, Heartzilla. Uh, also, to oh. the Patreon people, thank you. Well, I'm getting to them. I gotta thank well, everybody. Well, I just thought I would say it this time. Okay. Thought I'd chime in. Do it. Thank you to the Patreon people. You heard it. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Oh, uh, be sure to visit MonstersConquerTheWorld.com for more monster-mashing, kaiju-crushing chaos. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at MonstersConquer. Uh, we have a Facebook group, Facebook.com slash MonstersConquerTheWorld. Uh, MonstersConquerTheWorld.com also has the open invite to our Discord, so you can jump in there and yak with us about shit. Uh, Ralph, what's up with Hellscape? Uh, same stuff as usual, man. Just killer music? Just... Wall out them wall bangers. Hell yeah. Yep. Check out Hellscape Records. It's, yep. it's dope as hell. Uh, and if you like what you hear and want to be our own personal Gandalf or Dumbledore, uh, go to www.patreon.com slash monsters conquer and become a patron. All patrons get access to a top secret patrons only discord lounge. Discord after dark. Uh, at the $5 level, you get access to our mysterious and forbidden shadow episodes. And if you jump on the $25 level, you can pick the topic of an episode. Yeah. And the next one is going to be uh, Riccio's episode. Colossal. Yes. So yeah, jump on that wagon, homies. Yep. Uh, if you can't, though, that's cool, too. There's a bunch of stuff you can do to help us out. Uh, you can subscribe. You can rate. You can share us on social media. You can tell your friends. Or you can leave a massive scrambled molecular diagram in your abandoned yacht that, when folded up just right, spells out Ralph's complete DNA sequence. Oh, my goodness. Let us now descend into the shadows. Sign to Corn. Sign to Corn. <laughs>